The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We are going to do another edition of Murph's Draft Manifesto, talking offensive linemen and tight ends. But before we do, I do want to talk about Adam Stenovich's comments about the offensive line. It will feed perfectly into that podcast. Then we'll talk about Justin Lewis deciding to go pro, what that might mean for Marquette going forward, why he could come back, could he go into the transfer portal. We'll answer all those questions. And then we will do the Wisconsin Shotsky. We have three topics that are good. Oh, we're going to do Brewers too. Loaded show. Loaded, loaded show. So Brewers, then the Shotsky. Hope you guys enjoy it. I have actually a very good Chuck's Corner that I'm going to sit on until maybe Friday. So we'll sit on Chuck's Corner for Friday um, because it's an all-timer. And I need more than just like a little bit of a Shotsky moment. So that's what we call a tease in the books. If you're not following us on social media, I don't know what you're doing. This is a great time to be on the socials, especially Twitter. Tabbing the keg, yes, I tweet a lot, but very fun during the playoffs. Get the jokes on. This is the time to hang out at the Twitter Sports Bar, so I hope you're following there. If you're not following there, it's on, my tweets are a little too much. I get it. Tabbing the keg sports on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever you prefer. I would hope you follow me there. Um, if you're joining us, if you're one of Murph's buddies, uh, tuning in for another edition of Murph's Draft Manifesto, hopefully we convince you to subscribe. Uh, if you already are subscribed, uh, please rate and review. We really appreciate it. Hopefully get the word out. Keep spreading it. Keep telling people about us. Um, I'm starting to think I might carry QR codes during the Brown House Boys run of our podcast. I don't know. Just a thought. We'll see if that actually happens. Okay. Let's talk about the offensive line, then we'll get to Murph and everything else. All right. Adam Stenovich uh, was met with the media today. Uh, The Packers had basically a media day for all the promoted or new coaches in the Green Bay Packer organization. Some good comments from Rich Basicchia. Luke Buckus looked as prototypical of an offensive lineman as possible. Uh, And Adam Stenovich also met with the media. And Adam Stenovich gave an explanation on to why Billy Turner and Dennis Kelly played on the offensive line against the San Francisco Giants. Senevich said it was all based on experience, said basically that he wanted the experienced guys out there, and that's why Josh Neiman didn't get the nod. I talked about it a little bit on the mini keg today, but it bears repeating, tapping the keg sports for both of those, shameless plug, but it, it bears repeating um, because I think it really does need to be talked about is that is such a bullshit way to do football in general. You have to play your best players, especially in the biggest moments. There was no reason that Josh Neiman should have at least been out there for a first couple of possessions. And if the moment was too big for him, just say, all right, we're ready to roll with Billy Turner or we're ready to roll with Dennis Kelly. However you want to put Josh Neiman, wherever he's more comfortable, that's what Green Bay should have done. Instead, they went with a lineup combination that had never played together. We had never seen Kelly and Turner all season, and it went and bit the Packers right in the ass. There were a lot of things wrong with the Green Bay Packers against the San Francisco 49ers, but one of them were the offensive tackles, and Stenovich's comment does not make me feel good, and it doesn't make me feel, I guess, confident. Like, I, So basically, our, if we have a rookie wide receiver, is he going to get shelved for other guys? So is Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb just going to amass wide receiver one and wide receiver two, even if, say, Chris Olave or Christian Watson or Alex Pierce takes over and is a part of this and having a good start to their season, are we going to bench those guys for experienced players? Because that's how this reads. And I don't know. I just really am disappointed in it. I, I am because I just do not think that's the way to do football. I don't think that's the way to do any sport. 
that's very like old school thinking. That's very 1980s mentality. To think that Josh Neiman couldn't be ready for this moment is kind of ridiculous. You have to trust your best players. And Josh Neiman played the best ball out of those three guys. And he deserved to be out there. And not to even go with Neiman later in the the game. And, and I know it's hard to get follow-ups. I've got chastised before when, I, when I've said, hey, why don't you follow up on this? I really wish that somebody would have followed up. Maybe not the same reporter, but somebody else would have been like, well, why didn't Neiman at least get a shot when these guys were struggling? And that, I mean, it's unheard of to usually bring, to swap out linemen during the game, but why not, right? Your backs are against the wall. You need to try everything you possibly can. So the fact that they defaulted to experience is a really bad sign for the Packers. I I hope it's a learning lesson. I hope it's a something they don't continue to do. But it's something that kind of worries me going forward. Like, are we just going to always put experience ahead of talent? Like, that to me seems like a bad way to do business. All right, let's get to Nolan Murphy. He is talking about the offensive line with me. Uh, we also talk about tight ends as well, uh, both positions of need for the Green Bay Packers. So I hope you guys enjoy this one, and we'll be back on the other side. This is another edition of Building Murph's Draft Manifesto or Murph's Draft Manifesto. Keep it short, keep it sweet. Nolan Murphy is here with me at the Nolan Murphy on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you're giving him a follow if you don't already. We're talking about the hog mollies, the offensive linemen. Definitely a need for the Green Bay Packers. We'll throw tight ends at the end of this as well, uh, which is a, let's say it's a full need for the Packers. Kind it's of an interesting need. need. It's a, yeah, there you go. Good, good way to put it. And you're our offensive lineman inside. <laughs> exactly. As a decorated D3 lineman as Thank you, you are. Thank you. Yes, two years. <laughs> Uh, did not see a lot of pancakes. Did, did not, you eat more pancakes or have more pancakes eat, I, on the floor? I, I ate more pancakes for sure. Um, yeah, it says one time I told some guy who was this uh, just a complete loser. I was working out at my high school and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm a scout team and freshman. And he goes, oh, so like Rudy? And I nearly killed him. Like, I, I'm not kidding Why you. Why would you not want to be Rudy, though? I mean, like, Rudy's yeah, the one but guy like, in Notre Dame. I hear you, but the connotation was enough. And this guy was just a loot. He wore, like, a Ohio State leather jacket. Like, he was just Did a... Did he have complete. an Affliction cutoff t-shirt on? No, he did, barely had hair. He definitely spent too much time at Silk. But that's not what we're here to talk about. That's a good Chuck's Corner segment. So if someone wants to ask me about it, we'll talk about it another day. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the war pigs. Though. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, exactly. These but. guys are the ones that protect, uh, you know, the person that owns our franchise now, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, <laughs> the, you know, we got to keep him upright. The and, devil himself. Yeah, we we uh, we've had offensive line troubles over the years. Um, we actually made it through in a pretty interesting year last year yes. with two of our best offensive linemen basically not playing for over fifty percent of the year. Bakhtiari never plays. Elton Jenkins goes down. So, and we've had tons of success drafting in this position. Corey Lindsley, Brian Bulaga. I mean, we have not missed much. This is where Brian Gunacus cooks. Like, if you're like, where is, what's Brian Gunacus like main dish? Like, if he could do Italian, you know, Asian, New American, this is his shit. This is what he's known for. If this was his restaurant, it'd be the offensive lineman. Like, that's it. Yeah. That's it. And it's been a long time since the Derek Sherrod thing happened. And Derek Sherrod could have been a good uh, player yeah. if he doesn't ever break his finger <laughs> yeah, against the Chiefs when we go, when we were thirteen and zero. I mean, yeah. we might win the Super Bowl. His career, you know, he's there, out of the league. I believe. Yeah, now. yeah, no, there's not. I've That's not a heard. Tough injury to bounce. Oh back yeah, from. you can't exactly breaking um, your fibula as I've done a little easier. Breaking yeah. your femur, it's, uh, it's it's tough to do that. So I, I would like to pick this position in the first round. I think it's that big of a need. 
um, especially losing Lucas Patrick in the division, uh, cutting Billy, Billy Turner. Yep. You know, we'll see what they do with uh, Yash Nyman um, if he is a day one starter. Bakhtiari will be ready to start. Yes, the fluid. I, I don't need to hear about yeah. what you know happened anymore. No, I think we're we're over it. Probably and cost us a Super Bowl. I, yes, I would say one hundred percent. I've um, said it a, f- a million times in this twice. podcast. Might have cost us two. It definitely cost us a chance to go to two Super Bowls. Probably yes. I would um, say that's more than accurate because the the pressure of the the for the, the Buccaneers game and it does bear it bears repeating, but it was that would have been a win. And who knows with the 49ers game, but. I think just having Bakhtiari there gives Aaron Rodgers even more confidence. And so, yes, I agree. I, I'll start here. Do you think the lineman would be a day one need if Elton Jenkins was healthy? So if Elton Jenkins was ready to go, playing, would you say it's like, hey, this is a day one need? Well, what do you think Elton Jenkins' ultimate true position is on the path? I mean... That's where I, I guess I would start. Question with, with a question. Um, I would say... I think Elton Jenkins should play guard. I don't have a problem with him playing left guard. I don't think there's anything wrong with having both your guys protecting the blind side. I I think Elton Jenkins is a good tackle, but it's like I feel like why are we like forcing this? Like, but he, isn't there more value at playing him at right tackle? Totally, and he makes more money if he's at right right oh, tackle. His agent wants him to play so, right tackle. I think it's. A, I honestly think in the era of player empowerment, I think it's a question for Elton. Honestly, like I think it comes down to Matt Lafleur saying to him, like, and and Stanovich can be like, hey, okay, where do you want to play? Do you have a desire to play right tackle? I and if he like, no, I really like playing left guard. I really like well, can we get your agent to sign off on that? Yeah, yeah. Because there's a big problem with this. Orlando Brown, remember yes. on the Ravens, the reason right. he went to the Chiefs is. They wouldn't. They had Ronnie Stanley, yes. and he filled in for him at left tackle. He said he wanted to be paid like a left tackle at right tackle because many in the league now feel like they're both just as important yes. because of just how offenses are. Right. It doesn't have anything to do with there's more left-handed quarterbacks anymore. There isn't. <laughs> it just happens to be how offenses are. Yeah. Anymore. It's not 1980, and we're running eye formation all the time. You need two tackles. So I would love that. I just don't want to deal with the bullshit anymore with the agents. No, I agree. And I think they'll figure it out with Elton and get, get a deal done. I just think it'll just come down to what so, he he feels. So let's trust your gut and say he's a guard. Uh-huh. Yes. I mean, this is a stacked offensive line draft. Yes. They've been saying it, this draft is stacked with wide receivers, offensive linemen, and edge rushers. Yeah. That is the three strengths of this draft. Um, and I think we're in a really good position, and we're going to make a lot of Packer Penhead fans really upset if a Charlie Cross or an Evan Neal drop, because those guys are top ten picks. Yes. Those guys are Jake Long and Joe Thomas potential. They, you know, they aren't them today, but those guys could have ten year, you know, careers in the league. And, what, and that's what you all you, yeah. you hope. You, and not everybody's drafting a Willie Rofe. Yes. You know where he's going to play for fifteen years. Or uh, what Steve Stanford. Hutchinson or yeah, something like that. Like, yeah. Like, you're just hoping to get eight to ten years out of this guy. Maybe a second contract. The Packers do not keep offensive linemen on third contracts other than David Bakhtiari. That's why yes. they let Lindsey go. Josh Sitton, TJ Lane, Marco Rivera, Mike Wall. I could go yeah, down yeah, the list. It's, you have to be a generational talent to get a third right. contract, really in any position. Yeah, Devontae Adams too. Like, And he might have been a generational talent, but they thought otherwise, whatever. We don't need to go back into that. But that was going to be my question is, like, when do you think about moving up for a tackle? And I think if there, it's around 12, it's around 13, it, if Neil, if Neil and Cross are still on the board, I think you have to. I would think about it. it just depends. I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I'm not getting a bidding war with the quarterbacks. No, 100. Um, percent But yeah, if Evan Neal or Charlie Cross uh, do fall outside of the top 10, uh, that means that probably Kyle Hamilton has already been picked. That means a quarterback's yeah. been picked. That probably means 
uh, that Alave, Wilson, or Williams, James Williams, have already gone. Yes. And, and so it's a little upside down. Yeah, I think about it. Um, I don't think it's a need, though, because I think that... I think at least through 28, there's plenty of Oh, yeah. And, and we guards. can talk about our guy. Yeah. Our guy, Bernhard Raymond from Austria. Yeah. He is massive. <laughs> Former uh, tight end. Yeah. Now, you know, European guys haven't been the best. Uh, there was Marcus Hunt a couple years oh, yeah. ago. You know, that he hasn't done Yeah, but he was like game. a freak. He was like 6'7". He was from like, like Georgia, too. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the Packers went to, we can just jump to there, Bernhard Raymond from yeah. Central Michigan. A lot of love for the Mac this year in this draft. Yes. We talked about Sky Moore in the wide receivers episode. Um, the Packers went to his visit. You know, that that's a big indication always to me that you're going to send someone yeah. to this, this Central Michigan. Yeah, you're, uh, sending okay. them, you're sending them to Mount Pleasant, Michigan to yeah. go watch and see how he trains. Exactly. So, you know, that's LaFleur's backyard. Yes. He's going to have a lot of recon, you would mm-hmm. still think, within the MAC. Right. And um, I would be fine with Bernhard at 22 or 28. I think the Saints are going to be looking for an offensive lineman to replace uh, Terrell Armstrong, um, Stret, Armstead, excuse me, who got that big deal from the Dolphins. Um, but I, I would be, again, I would put offensive lineman and wide receiver if we leave day one or day two without uh, each one of them, I'll be a little disappointed. Oh, I totally agree. And, I mean, another guy that, that is definitely in that range, maybe a little bit more at that 28 level, is your Trevor Penning. I do wonder. Wait, where are you at with the Northern Iowa guy? So a lot of buzz early. So I worry about, like, I watched Spencer Brown a lot last year with Buffalo. There was a lot of Buffalo on. And Spencer Brown, maybe not as good as Trevor Penning because he was a third-round pick. But he struggled. He, he, it definitely wasn't an immediate, like, he got it. You could see it. I mean, he's massive. Six, Lily's okay on Trevor Brown, our assistant producer. Six, seven, 321. Um, he, Seems like more of a run blocker though. Like his run blocking grade is really hot. Like everybody's really high on him. Is like, is that really? If the Packers are going to be a more run, if it's going to be more balanced, then yeah, I think there is a there is a case to be made for that. It's just a question: Could he start day one? And I, from FCS to the NFL, I'm a little unsure on that. Well, as we look at offensive linemen, what are your thoughts? And this usually makes people go insane, but. Can Josh Myers play either of the guard positions? I I don't know. Um, there's a reason I'm asking. We'll get to that. Yeah, I I think if if you can play center, usually you can play guard. Because um, I would then, if that's true, the ty- oh, Tyler the kid, Lindlum, the kid who from was a Iowa. guy that has fallen actually. I mean, he was a guy oh, yeah. in the top Iowa ten, season, yeah, top ten pick. Yeah, yeah, and everyone, you know, it's tough to find the next Zach Martin, but Zach Martin has been a hell of a player in the NFL when healthy. Right. Um, It'd be interesting. You'd have to ask the quarterback if, if he's okay with another center. Right. Uh, it's not something you really have to screw around with. You know, we've done it enough for holders the yes, last couple of years. exactly. And you've seen that's what's done that to our field goal operation. Right. But I think Lindblom is, yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting angle that I, I didn't even think about. He's the only interior guy I really think. Yeah. That is I don't understand. Available. I don't understand the kid from uh, Texas A&M, Kevante Green. He's a freak, Him, they say. Yeah. he He's just one of those guards that's a freak athlete that's huge, but... You know, doesn't have he's like Evan Neal. It doesn't have any body fat on him. I feel like there's a lot of interior buzz on Dylan Parham from Memphis too. Um, you know, I'm not going to go too deep on interior <laughs> linemen, um, but I, I wouldn't. I mean, he played. He did play right tackle yeah, before. Kenyon Green is a Packer guy. Yes, from a workout standpoint. Oh yes, Kenyon Green, and his, yeah. he's played three different uh, positions. Yes, so that's again another Packer check the box. A lot of people also. Like Zion Johnson, who started at, at Davidson, then went to Boston College. That scares me. That sounds like you played a lot of shitty football on some teams. 
<laughs> I, I, dude, I love BC. I gambled a lot of BC last year. Like, be be easy on my BC Eagles. They were they were one of those teams that you know you have those where you're fighting like, Tom Waddles. Um, <laughs> if in a perfect world, Chuck, if you're you know have a top five pick, who are you picking between Neil uh, Ikenoa from North Carolina State or Cross? I'm picking Evan Neal, Alabama. It's I just I don't know that that sounds so like national media murph of me, but it's he protected very much Mayock of you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, maybe that's better. You didn't watch a lot of uh, Starksville football. Last I, year, no, so. I, I like look. I, I think you can make a case for Cross because of the Alton Jenkins angle. Like Alton Jenkins has been right out of there. Great. I think Icky, uh, the kid from NC State, is a is a fucking beast. And he it's had a question. Crazy combine. Yeah, had an awesome combine. He at one point thought it could go number one to the Jaguars. Like, I don't know. I, I think that all three would be good. I think if any fall out of the top ten, it's a mistake by the teams in the top ten. I think any team in that top ten could use one of those guys. And if I'll put it this way, if one of them falls to the Vikings, I'm fucking pissed. Yeah, well, because they've had a horrific right. offensive line. Offensive line, I feel like, has gotten even... Where receiver has actually kind of gotten a little easier to, to draft because offenses have become, yeah. you know, more flexible. I feel like offensive line has been very hard to draft. Of Like, look at the Isaiah, uh, you know, wins, Wilson, oh, Wilson yeah, yeah, wins. Yeah, there's a bunch of flops in the first round. You know, there's DJ Fluker. I mean, there's a bunch yeah. of big Alabama guys that have not been Yeah, out. I think sometimes the bigger, sometimes is the more skill. Like, so going back to Penning... 6'7", 320, like, that's that's a pretty tall. Like, you just worry about with how fast and how su- such, like, he gets a knee clipped and that's an ACL, right? And it's, like, the taller you are, the more you have to worry about it. And that's, like, it goes back to Fluker. Uh, there was another guy I had in my – went to North Carolina, played for Arizona. Oh, I can't think of his name. I'll think of it. Um, but another boss that was a lineman. This was a while ago. But if you get t- – I just worry at the height sometimes – that can be an issue, and I realize Evan Neal's six seven two, but he doesn't have any body fat. Yeah, yeah. Like, Evan, he's got a six pack. To me, like Evan Neal could be Jonathan Ogden. Like, if you want to say who could be Great Jonathan, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, like that's what Evan Neal is, and so I don't that, know. Yeah, like I, so I would be shocked if I was the Lions or the, I mean, if the Jaguar. This is what I don't understand, and this is where the offensive lineman stuff gets um, confusing. Is I don't think any of the defensive players are worth the first overall pick that are being mocked there. Yes. It's not going to be Kyle Hamilton. He's gotten knocked a lot for his athleticism overall and his actual coverage skills. Um, it should not be Kayvon Thibodeau. I, I just don't no, see Thibodeau, it. No, Thibodeau is a, a lot of red flags. I think Thibodeau is literally a – you just shake the, you just shake basically the eight ball, and you might get a bust. You might get an awesome player. You might get kind of The only guy, guy I think worthy of it is the Georgia guy. Oh, then they, they, he's Walker, been catching a yeah. lot of buzz. Yeah, the I mean, buzz. He's a, he's, all of a sudden, like six eight. He's a freak athlete. He could be, you know, the next edge rusher that just changes every game. Right. You know, he could be Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, Jadavion right. Clowney, um, type of guy. I don't know. Do you ever want to get compared to Jadavion Clowney though? Like, like Jadavion Clowney, he had microfracture surgery. Oh, oh. You know, that's Amari uh, Stoudemire. Yeah, like, yeah, that's a pretty tough. Guy. And he's still in the league. Uh, yeah. You know, and I think he just got a big contract. So, yes. you know, I'm going to go here, though. I don't understand it, the Aiden Hutchinson stuff because if, as we look at day two linemen, there's two that I have on my list, and I'll start with Georgia. If you turn on the Georgia-Michigan tape from yeah, the college football player, Jamar Slayer, the, left, the, the, the tackle from Georgia, he dominated him. Yes. And I don't know how you don't pick offensive linemen in day two from the best college football team of last year. 
I think yeah, I mean, Brainer, if he's available, if he played against Jordan. Yeah, he's gonna be. Yeah, I he's think gonna that's be a day two guy. I think that's a question of like, what are you missing there? Like the write up here on Pro Football Focus is like he has some of the strongest hands in pass protection and allowed four pressures in twenty twenty one. It's like we're pass first in the SEC. Yeah, what the fuck are we missing? Like, where where is like why wouldn't you draft him over you know the kid from Washington State who has pass pro issues, Abraham Lucas? Oh, I love Abraham Lucas. <laughs> so that was where I was gonna go next. I actually watched him, Abraham. Lucas tape the other day. He's super athletic. So like, it's the athletic. Like, he reminds me of Bakhtiari, actually. You know, Bakhtiari out of Colorado State didn't fit the mold yeah. of the data. He's not he is not as tall as a normal left tackle should be. And I actually think the Packers look at athletic linemen a lot. Sure. And I think Abraham Lucas is somebody that could play right tackle or guard in a pinch right now. And that's what the Packers look for. That's what they did when they picked John Runyon mm-hmm. Jr. They want a guy that can yeah. at this and point I think Runyon, flex around. So that's gonna be a starter. Runyon's starting next year. And Why not? He's so cheap, too. I think you ask... I also think Stenovich is going to have a major say on what they do. And Stenovich is going to... I think LaFleur talks to their guys, and he's like, all right, what... what? And I think Goody talks to him. I, I do believe that. Like, I don't think they're going to put somebody in there that's not going to fit. Like, if Penning doesn't fit, they'll, they'll tell him. They'll be like, yeah, this guy doesn't fit. Like, if Ray, I think Raymond fits because they sent the pro day, so I don't think that's that scenario is legit. I think they... Definitely make sure that they have the linemen that fit the system, and I think Stanovich is going to have a say on that. Any Big Ten linemen, as you know, we don't want to spend too much time in the hog mollies, <laughs> but is there anybody that we kind of haven't hit on that you would like us to take a peek at? I, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, as you say, I to to kind of echo you, uh, old saying of yours is like I always like Badger linemen. Yeah, so, I mean Logan Bruss again. Like, why not take a peek at him? He works out at the same place Aaron Rodgers works out at. Why not? T- he went to a visit. Now all the Badger players that are eligible for the draft, it seemed like, went on a visit in, in, at some point in uh, early April. But Logan Bruss, day three, again, like, I want to, you know, we did it finally last year after a long yes. drought from the Mark Tauscher years uh, and Cole Van Landen, uh, who is a Green Bay guy, I believe a Bayport kid. Like, just keep taking swings at Badger linemen. Mel Kuyper said it on Willie and Tausch on ESPN Wisconsin. That, like, the Badgers linemen, they always show up. Travis Frederick, go down the line. Like, these guys play in the league for a while. And I almost look at it that way, though, as, like, Big Ten linemen. Oh, yeah. You know, you think about somebody, you know, even, you like, know, like a Daniel Falali from Minnesota. Oh, like, okay. So, I don't like... Like, so what's the story on him? I don't know. He's 6'8", 380. Okay. He, he's a WWE wrestler. Like, he's, like, he's just massive. Like, I don't... What about Nicholas Pet, uh, Petit Free from Ohio State? Uh, all, Ohio State linemen always... that That's fine. Yep. We've, see, we've yeah, seen yeah, it. The Josh Myers. And Corey Lindsley. It's all good. You know, another guy, too, is that is Tyler Vrabel, which is, jo- is Mike Vrabel's kid. Okay, sounds good. So, yeah. that... I'm... Oh, Guy in the league and yeah. his and his uh, uncle is our wide receivers coach. Okay, Jason Brable. So there you go. Yeah, that seems like an interesting one. Um, there was a lot of buzz on Max Mitchell. Again, he's six six three zero seven. He is a raging Cajun. I wouldn't mind that as a day two um, pick, but it's definitely a, a position that will be addressed and you know one that's extremely important when you're you know had you know basically had to take a federal loan out to pay your quarterback. So uh, no reason in overpaying a quarterback that's thirty eight years old if you can't protect him. So was Cape Mays, was he a guy that was a top, like, prospect and then just never panned out? I feel like there was a Tennessee guy. I don't think it was. I think that was somebody else. So I'm going to ignore that. Let's move to tight ends. We talked a lot about linemen, which I love. You know, that's, that's my bread. Where's Mark Schlereth when we need him? No. Oh, he's recovering from heart surgery. Get out. Really? Schlereth? Stink? Yeah. Might have to buy some of his green chili then and support. Yeah. Yeah. Get better. Stink. Uh, but tight end. 
it's an interesting one because, as you said, the interesting need, and there's a lot of interesting guys. Like I, I you well, know, well, first of all, let's look at the depth chart. Yeah. So sure. we get Bobby Tunyon back on a, a cheap deal because he blows his knee out. I don't expect Bobby to play until November. Yeah. Right. I mean, just yeah, what we've seen exactly. with ACL. So. Josiah Daguerre, I am still in on Josiah the Messiah. I'll, uh, I'll stay on Josiah Island with you. Okay. I mean, I was on Jace Island until yeah. he until I couldn't be. And I got kicked out of Jace Island. Yeah, you hope that year three coming off of year two of an ACL that Josiah yes. Lafleur loves him. You yes. know, the story is Lafleur saw him make a tackle on an interception, showed it in a practice. <laughs> And, you know, all of a sudden he's on the draft board. It was a very highly debated pick at the yes. time, picking an H-back in the third round. Right. But they might have just wanted those cultural, you know, culture guys, those interchangeable offensive pieces. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, they saw last year Josiah split out wide. He played in the back. I mean, field. that's the Amari Rodgers thing, right? Is like, and Amari was terrible last year, and, and he had a really bad rookie year, but that's what they saw in Amari Rodgers. So did Adams. Yeah. Monte Adams had an awful Oh, game. look. I told people this. I'm not out of Amari Rodgers. No. I just knew right away he wasn't going to be a difference maker in year one. I've told people – I mean, I've told people this before, but, like, they, there are tweets, there are blogs where I was like, I believe in Devontae Adams. I believed in James Jones. Like, I always have a long leash with, with athletes, really. And – and it's worked out, and I've been right more times than I've been wrong. I mean, yes, Jay Sternberger was one I was wrong on. Fine, you know, sue me, heaven forbid. I uh, who else was I wrong? I was wrong on like a corner, I think. I, yeah, I was wrong on Jamon Moore. So Jamon Moore, I think, was another guy who I stayed with it until I couldn't. Um, I think I still follow him on Instagram. So That's weird. we have Dominique Daphne, yes. still in the roster. Um, this is a rumor only driven by me, but Aaron Rodgers <laughs> was seen working out with Kyle Rudolph the other day. They also work out at the same place out in L.A. or wherever yeah. in California. Kyle Rudolph's a guy that we thought about drafting. Kyle Rudolph's a guy that we actually tried to sign before. Did he, he was he in Notre Dame when Lafleur yeah, was there? Uh, there's definitely some potential overlap. Like you know, and we didn't even bring up Will Fuller when we were talking receivers. But like, uh, say if we signed Kyle Rudolph before the draft, would you be upset? No, I don't think so because I look at it and say I don't know how many more years Mercedes Lewis can do it. And if, again, we go back to our first episode with the Aaron Rodgers anniversary present and Aaron Rodgers is like, all right, well, we're not going to sign Big Dog because of the years. And he, who knows, maybe he wants to play for the Rams. Maybe he wants to play for the Chargers. I think State. Big Dog's coming back. You think Big Dog's coming back? Yeah, well, if, yeah. If Big Dog's coming back, then I don't know the need for Kyle Rudolph because I'd rather just draft a guy then. Because, you know, Bobby Tynan's going to start the year on the public. Right. So, uh, but still, uh, yeah, I would, I guess. crowded there, then with five. Yeah, players. exactly. Then it's like, you okay. we're going to have seven receivers. Yeah, exactly. We're not going to be willing to cut bait on a couple of I guys. don't want to be the fucking Bears and have 11 tight ends. Yeah. So let's put it that way. And I just, I don't know. I like, I like a lot of tight ends. Like, I like Jelani Woods. I think he has some big dogs. I don't think any of the tight ends are able to make a contribution in your Really? So you don't think Jeremy Rucker, the kid from Ohio State, no, can make a I, make I, an impact? I mean, he's a Big Ten. I don't like Big Ten tight ends. Okay. Why? Because they just you don't think they're athletic no, enough. I just don't think they're athletic enough. Okay. And tell me the last really great athletic big. You know who was the last tight end from into the Big Ten that I mean, has really made it? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I'd have yeah. to. I'd are have we to about like some go, of the Michigan tight end, like Kyle Brady. Like, are we going? <laughs> I mean, Kyle Brady was a bad pick. I mean. I mean, yeah, and Hawkinson has been. I mean, I don't My, know. Hawkinson is the jury's out on him. He's super athletic, but he wasn't. No fan. Number, also no. from Iowa, George Kittle from Iowa. Yeah, so yeah, I don't know about this Big Ten so, thing. Hey, TJ Hawkinson <laughs> was picked way too early. Oh, I don't disagree. So was Noah Fan. Yes, way too early. Yes, Noah Fan. I am not sure is good, and he's not going to have a shot to be good in Seattle. George Kittle is a freak. I think he's an <laughs> He is a freak of nature. Um, 
and he's used in the right way. Sure. So I, I'm just I, if we're gonna draft a a Big Ten tight end, I'd rather dra- just draft Barry's grandson. Yeah. Okay. Jake Ferguson. Yeah. Well, Jake Mel Ferguson said will be a day three pick. He'll yeah. Be picked, but right. Jake Ferguson was the only offensive threat other than Braylon Allen for the Badgers right. last year. Another guy I really like from a tight end position is Charlie Kohler from uh, Iowa State. That guy always seemed to make plays. I they didn't necessarily play in the best offense. Like Brock Purdy was is just an okay quarterback. I think Charlie Kohler has a great size to him, and I I honestly could see Charlie Kohler being a fucking freak for somebody. Where are you at with Trey Brown? I, I like him. I like I like his. He's going to be the first tight end pick. Right. He'll be a day two, late early day three pick. No, I, I think Trey McBride has – he's very athletic, very skilled. Big eye black guy. Yeah, huge eye black guy. I like that. Um, just looks like you're ready to go to war. Him and Josiah, I mean, they might get an eye black yeah, deal. Yeah, Josiah an is – he's ball. going Braveheart, I feel like, at the end of last season. So. <laughs> yeah, none of them have, like, the Jackson Dort where it's, like, the one eye black with – but, yeah, no. I, I think they're I think they're interesting tight ends. I mean, Dortch was another – or Dulich, sorry, the uh, UCLA, UCLA kid – I mean, it just seems a lot like that, that scares looks, me. Chip Kelly, yeah, tight yeah, end. Like, yeah. Does he even know how to block? Like, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so. I, I don't think that's exactly. I have two. I really love, not okay. like, but are interesting athletes. You know, Isaiah Likely was pretty productive at Coastal Carolina. They were fun to watch. Yeah, played and, in a up tempo system that you could translate to the pros. And, yeah, yeah. And sure. here is a day three one workout warrior. Uh, Tanner Connor from Idaho State. He's actually a wide receiver, but a lot of teams have been working him out at tight end. He actually went to the Washington Pro Day to get more visibility and ran like a 4-4. He's like 225. So you just take a flyer on him uh, yeah, basically to say like, all right, we're I gonna... would rather take a six-round pick on this guy and see if he can play special teams right away. And, you know, so we don't have to have Josiah DeGuerre blow his knee out again on special teams. That's, I mean, that could be another factor of who you draft. Is what, like, does, what, do does you, Rich, what does the card dealer want? Yes, it was well, Pit, pit, boss, pit boss Rich. What does Pit, bot, pit Boss Rich, can't fucking talk. What, what does he want from a tight end position in terms of special teams? Because that could really help out the Packers in terms of their depth. I think that's a really important part of the special teams conversation is how do you build your depth and avoid guys like Josiah DeGuerra playing on special teams to avoid injury? To do my Mike Mayhawk, you know, Cameron uh, Latou from Alabama, he played a lot. He got a lot of targets, it felt like, for someone that had, you know, 10 first-round receivers around him. Like, I'm never opposed to drafting Alabama guys, but I think tight end has to be, like, it's a perfect scenario. Right. I think it's a pretty weak draft overall, um, and it's been a hard position to develop over the years. Now does everybody want the next Travis Kelsey? Yes. I would love the next Travis Kelsey, but he also got kicked out of Cincinnati a couple times. Right. So it's tough to find these guys, and we've seen people overpay you know, a lot for tight ends as of late. Um, nobody uses tight ends better than Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. He's done that for 10 years, and you know Gronk had major injury concerns coming out of college. He was red flagged by a lot of teams. Right. And, hey, look, he's thinking about re-signing with the Bucks again. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's not a position I don't think the Packers have – you know, they haven't really done well. No, I, I mean, mean they haven't. Bobby Tanyan is the best Shemura, tight end we had since Bubba Franks. Right, Shamara, well, Bubba Jermichael Franks, Finley. Jermichael Finley, yeah. But we've really missed. But over yeah, it's not not in the Lafleur, not in the recent era has the Packers done well tight end wise. Yeah, DJ Williams was a miss in round four from Andrew, Arkansas. Andrew Corliss was a Corliss, miss. Corliss, um, it was a third round pick. Sternberger, third round pick. 
They, the Martellus uh, Bennett experiment was awful. <laughs> well, yeah, but that was a signing. I know, I'm just saying. But no, you're right. Jimmy And Jimmy Graham, who mentioned now, now another Jimmy Graham reference on the podcast, Jimmy Graham was a bust. He, we didn't figure out how to use Jimmy Graham the right way. I no think one it, did, though, after Drew Brees. Right. right? Yeah, the Bears, I, to their credit, I think they were able to figure it out last year. Well, with their, ball. Yeah, exactly. Game, and he's probably going to come down. Yes, and that was what the Bears did, and that was with their eleven tight ends. Jimmy yeah. Jimmy Graham has now turned into like the rim runner in the NBA. Yeah, we're like the, he's the Clint Capella. Yeah, like he can't do everything, can't play all the time. Yeah, he's gonna get you know, just in the dunker the spot a little bit. Dunker spot, yeah. exactly. Um, how funny would it be if the Bears draft another tight end just to like continue with the joke? Yeah, uh, it would be pretty hilarious. Um, I think the Bears are gonna go pretty heavy defense. No, I know, but I, I just, I just had to get a Bears, Bears tight end yeah, joke. They don't have a lot of ammunition. No, I know. They um, don't. You know the fact that they let Aaron uh, Allen Robinson walk for free. Very yeah, yeah. strange. Uh, he didn't want to be there. I, I think know, there they was a... at least put the franchise tag on him and dealt him for a third round pick or something. I don't know. You know, like why would you let? And they're gonna get a compensatory pick, but not till next year, and it'll probably be a third or fourth round pick. The, you know, the Bears are a long way away. From oh, Dakota. I know. Uh, they I, have I, a miserable I offensive line. They have an offensive lineman. They still don't know if, who was good from last year. Trayvon Jenkins, yeah. yeah. Who I kind of liked, and thank God we didn't pick him because God gets hurt right he's away. Got worse back than Tiger. <laughs> so. Oh man. Well, we went long on the lineman. That's all right. You said the, the wide receiver is going to be the longest one we did. This was twenty eight minutes. So. I think they're the two most important <laughs> positions. Thanks. Look, man, that's good, and hopefully you guys got smarter from that. Nolan Murphy on Twitter and Instagram at the Nolan Murphy. You guys know where to find me. I already hyped it out in the beginning. We will be back with the edge rusher uh, conversation. We'll talk that. Probably make some Zedarius jokes, I'm sure. All right, see you guys. Thanks again to Murph. We will take a couple days off of the Murph Draft Manifesto for those Murph draft heads. Uh, we will have Tabby the Keg tomorrow. We will have a special guest too. Shan's going to join us for that. So that'll be fun. Uh, and then we will talk uh, on Friday's show. I'm probably not going to include Murph just because it's Good Friday and we got Bulls Bucks to preview. It's a pretty big show. Uh, we'll have Brewers opening day. We got, we got a lot going on. So uh, no Murph on Friday either. And then probably Tuesday again. Tuesday, Wednesday, we'll have the edge rushers and then safeties, linebackers, and special teams. So that's probably what we're looking at for next week, uh, barring any Bucks playoff schedule, because that obviously might complicate things. So stay tuned, um, but we'll make sure to inform the masses on when the next two are going up, and then we'll do a full pod of all of them, as well as uh, Murph and I will get together, I hope, before I go to Cabo, to kind of run through last second thoughts about the draft, where we think the Packers are going in these final final days leading up to the regular the NFL draft, not regular season. Moving on to college basketball, kind of changing gears here. Justin Lewis announced that he will no longer be a member of the Marquette basketball team, that he is going to enter the NBA draft. Now, he is going to have an agent, but he's going to retain his eligibility. So one of the cool things that the NCAA did in the last couple of years was made sure that a guy could basically have an agent. So the agent could help with like interviews, workouts, all, all these details that I think players struggle with. But basically he could still come back to school. He could still decide that if they tell him, hey, you're not ready. Hey, if you come back, you're going to be a first round pick. And if he decides to do that, then he can do that without any sort of punishment. There's not like, hey, you sign an agent and you have to go pro. That's kind of been taken away, which is really good. And that's progress 
for the NCAA, and they deserve credit. I know it's like sacrilegious to to praise the NCAA, but it it needs it needs to be praised there. That's a that's a really good move by the NCAA. So yes, Justin Lewis could come back. Uh, Justin Lewis could enter a transfer portal. I don't think Justin Lewis would enter a transfer portal. I'd frankly be stunned. But who knows? I mean, he's not Shaka Smart's guy. He's Steve Wojciechowski's guy. I think he liked playing for Shaka Smart. But who knows? Maybe he feels like there are bigger and better things ahead of him. It didn't work out for Dawson Garcia, but Dawson Garcia had a real family issue. It's going through a lot. And I I do think Dawson's going to get on his feet at a high major program. Maybe it's a mid-major, but I could definitely see him being part of the Gophers or maybe even going to like the Summit League if maybe his time has been... His time ran out in the high majors, and he goes to like North Dakota State, South Dakota State, whatever. I still think that Justin Lewis would come back if he decided to not go to the NBA. I think Marquette would still be the home for him, just given his relationship with the team and his teammates. As for Lewis's decision, I'm never going to really criticize anybody for deciding to go pro. Um, I think that Lewis is on the fringe of the first round. I don't think he's going to be a first-round pick. I don't think anybody is mocking him to a first-round pick. I do think that some people might look at the success of Marquette athletes in the NBA and maybe bump Lewis up. Now, these were different regimes, right? It was Tom Crean, then it was Buzz Williams, but the return on success has been pretty good with Marquette guys besides like Vander Blue, who never seemed to crack it in the NBA and has sort of been a G League all-star. But that's not really surprising to me. I always kind of thought Vander Blue as more of a quad A guy. And I don't think just doesn't have everything to be an NBA player, but that's okay. Other guys like Wes Matthews, Juan Toscano Anderson, Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder. I mean, Marquette has had a high hit rate. So I do wonder if some of that is playing into Justin Lewis's decision because he knows that Marquette has garnered a lot of respect around the NBA. It's hard not to look at it and say there there could be teams that bump Lewis up because of the Marquette pedigree and those guys seem to produce in the pros. But there's a lot, there's still concerns with Lewis, right? Lewis isn't there defensively. Lewis has a long way to go. He's a little bit slow. He can't, he's not really that, I would say, great in transition. Like he he could really benefit from maybe 10 pounds less. And he's not as fast as I think you'd want him to be. And I do wonder if going back to school, kind of trimming up, getting a little stronger would make Lewis a better player, more of a consistent rebounder. That's another thing where I think sometimes we really see Lewis attack the glass, but sometimes it's just not there. It's, It's kind of when he wants to be. So that's kind of my base level scouting report without being like a Sam Vecini or Kevin O'Connor, just sort of my initial thoughts on what I would see in Justin Lewis. And if he decides to come back, I think Marquette welcomes with open arms and I think Marquette would be a fringe top 25 team with all the guys they have back. But without Justin Lewis, I don't necessarily see that. Now a lot can happen, right? Grad transfers, you can get you know other guys coming in that might might make a difference for the Marquette organization and all of a sudden Marquette looks a lot different come fall but if we look at Marquette's roster and we look at the starting lineup for the Marquette Golden Eagles at this point I would probably go with Tyler Kolick at point guard Stevie Mitchell at the other guard I'll get to Cam Jones in a second Olivier Maxer Prosper 
as the small forward who I do think can take a massive leap next year. I think Omax, the potential is there for him to actually be really special, and I'm buying a lot of Omax stock. David Joplin uh, as the sort of power forward slash small forward wing, whatever you want to call him. Uh, Marquette would be small with Joplin as sort of your four, but Justin Justin Lewis was just as tall as Joplin at 6'7". I just think Joplin's more bulky, so he looks a little shorter, but him and Lewis are about the same height. And then you have Oso Iguodara in the middle, and Oso needs to add a few more LBs if he wants to be physical down in the paint. Now, Ben Gould is a top recruit from Marquette, uh, from Australia. He's 6'9". I think the Australian hit rate has been pretty good uh, in the NBA. We really haven't seen it in college, but you've seen a lot of guys succeed uh, coming out of Australia. So who knows? Maybe Ben Gould is a guy, whether it's Oso's spot, whether it's David Joplin's spot, maybe Ben Gould steps in right away and plays. Some of you are probably screaming at me like, where's Cam Jones? Why isn't Cam Jones a part of the starting lineup? Well, I don't think the combination of Kolek and, and Cam Jones can play any defense. Like I, that would help from a size perspective. Like Kolek six three, Cam Jones is six four. Stevie's only six two, so having an off guard at six two is not ideal. But the defense that Stevie Mitchell brings to me outweighs the production of Cam Jones. I think you can have Cam Jones as your sixth man and be basically a starter, basically be a sixth starter for the team. So I'm not sweating about Cam Jones not necessarily being in the starting lineup. Maybe he is. Now they also have Sean Jones, but Sean Jones is 5'10". I mean, Sean Jones is smaller than all these guys. So Sean Jones to me is a guy that I think will come off the bench. Chase Rice, I'm not necessarily, or it's Ross, excuse me, not Chase Rice. That's a country singer. Uh, Chase Ross, I don't expect to be starting either. And like I said, they could easily get a transfer and then that lineup could reset. So let's sort of wait and see what happens with this Lewis situation. I do wonder if grad transfers are going to be hesitant to commit to Marquette with the uncertainty of Lewis coming back, especially those kind of wing guys. But who knows? Maybe they take a chance and worst case scenario, Marquette finds a way to put them all in the starting lineup because I do think there are room for them to grow. Like I definitely think you could add... If it was Lewis, if Lewis was back, I think you could figure out a way to go very small, and it'd be Omax Lewis and somebody else at six nine, whether it's Gold Oso or maybe a a transfer that comes in. Marquette does need beef, and that's their goal to me. And if Marquette can find the beef, I do think they have a chance to still be successful next year. I don't think there's any reason to think Marquette can't be a tournament team without. Justin Lewis. I think there's the potentials there. I think the will to win is there. And I they have to pick up a lot of scoring production. But I have confidence that the Golden Eagles can do it. Moving on to the Milwaukee Brewers. We're trying something new for the Brewers. Brewers won today, 5-4. We're going to do one positive take, one negative take for the Milwaukee Brewers. So that's kind of what we're going to do going forward uh, as a way to talk about the game, but not necessarily go over top. And if there are topics, sometimes we'll have topics, right? But if we don't have a topic, this is kind of our, our fail safe here. So we're not like bringing up the same old check because 162 games, you, you kind of have to recycle things. Things get talked about a lot. So my one positive take from the game, we'll always start positive, we'll never start negative. We are a positive podcast, a glass half full, if you will. 
Uh, Andrew McCutcheon came through in a major way. So Andrew McCutcheon had three RBIs. Uh, he came up with a couple big hits in this game. Uh, Brewers have struggled to score first this season. Uh, that's been a problem for them. It's been pretty annoying to watch and be trailing. And whether you're not watching or you're you haven't got to the got to the game yet, and turn the radio on, and turn TV on, you look at your ESPN app, whatever you do, and you're like, oh, the Brewers are already down three nothing. That sucks. So first time all year, the Brewers were able to get some runs. They got them early. Unfortunately, they weren't able to hold the lead because of a Cedric Mullins grand slam. But the fact that they were able to get early runs, I think, matters. And that kind of set the tone for the game, in my opinion. And McCutcheon had a lot to do with that. Then he comes through with a big hit in the seventh inning to drive in the winning run. Uh, I have no idea why the Orioles pitcher went in after McCutcheon on a 3-2 count. I thought for sure he was going to walk him. It made all the sense in the world to walk him because then you would have probably faced Mike Brousseau, uh, who would have probably hit right or Keston Hira in that moment. I would have rather try my luck against Brousseau or, or Hira than Andrew McCutcheon, who's one of the best guys against left-handers. Just a terrible pitch. McCutcheon did the right thing, taking the ball the other way. That gets every baseball boomer rock hard. Like any any boomer that was watching was ready to kind of pop the Viagra and, and get up go after it with the wife because he he went the other way um that's just baseball porn for the old guys and good for Andrew McCutcheon and really solid day for the Milwaukee Brewers in general I was happy with that from a negative take uh way too many walks uh they had six total uh but they came in at inopportune times like Eric Lauer two outs starts walking guys and then he gives up a grand slam to Mullins the only guy that you have to avoid in this lineup is Cedric Mullins you could maybe say Trey Mancini, fine. But Mullins is a guy who you have to avoid every time. Do not give him opportunities to drive in runs. And the Brewers have done the opposite in the first two games. Uh, Cedric Mullins would be an absolute terror to face in the NL. I do not want any part of Cedric Mullins in the National League. No thank you. Not one bit. But yeah, Lauer has to, you know, kind of keep himself together and not lose control, especially at the bottom of the order. Matter really the team. Like, even if this was against the Cardinals, the Cubs, whatever, you don't want to give that leadoff hitter an opportunity with the bases loaded, especially when you have two outs. That just should not happen. And then Lauer grooves a pitch to Mullins. Mullins turns on it, takes it out for a home run. It's 4-2 to two Orioles. Now, Brewers were able to come back. And then they were able to win the game, so it gets forgotten in the shuffle. But if the Brewers were to lose that game 4-2, to let's just say, we would be looking back on it and saying all basically that happened was one bad pitch from Eric Lauer. And really it was one bad inning because if Eric Lauer gets one more out, there's nothing there, and the Brewers win 5 to nothing, and they have a shutout. Then you had Devin Williams, who basically was walking the yard. I was like, you got to get somebody up. He puts three runners on, no outs, and then he strikes out the next three. He figures it out. Chris Hook went to the mound. Uh, we have an inside joke. I think it's with my dad and a couple of my group chat buddies where it's like Chris Hook just probably swears at everybody. Just he looks like a grizzled guy who definitely is chewing probably Copenhagen straight or something like that. He's probably went up to Devin Mullins and be like, are you just not being a fucking pussy and just throw strikes? Like that's kind of what I think Chris Hook says. Uh, on the mound and that's kind of what I think he said to Devin Williams and Devin Williams figures it out but again why put ourselves in that situation why get ourselves there and maybe against a team that isn't the Orioles the Brewers are in real fucking trouble and so they're lucky to get out of this one they are I'm not trying to discredit their win I'm just saying 
there were a lot of opportunities where this shit could have went sideways for the Brewers, and thankfully it didn't. Thankfully they have a win, two and three on the year. They will go for the three and three, and which is a 500 road trip, which is all you usually ask for, and I'd be happy with it. It tomorrow night with Corbin Burns on the hill should be a fun one. I think the betting line will be very high for Mr. Burns and the Milwaukee Brewers. Wrapping up the show with the Wisconsin Shotsky. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar with this, if you're new to the program, what the Wisconsin Shotsky is is a little something that we like to do every Wednesday. Uh, it's actually the Wednesday Wisconsin Shotsky. Uh, so that's on me for not doing that as a name. Uh, basically, we go through three topics that are not that big of topics that are just sort of little ones. Uh, we'll try to run through these because we've already went pretty long for today's show. Aaron Rodgers whips a football at a kid. So a viral moment was caught, a uh, flag football game. Aaron Rodgers throws a pick in the end zone to a kid in a flag football game. The kid picks it off, excited, hands the ball back to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers flings the football right at the kid, like throws it directly at him. And that thing had some zip. Aaron Rodgers still competing in flag football. Don't say this guy doesn't give a shit. I have no problem with what Aaron Rodgers did. Of course he flipped the football at that kid. Fuck that kid. Like, he basically was like, okay, I'm going to have this viral moment. I'm going to talk shit to Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers like, no, man, that isn't happening. I am going to make sure that you know that I'm still the motherfucker around these parts. So, credit to Aaron Rodgers for not putting up with that kid's shit. Good for that kid for getting that interception. Hopefully he has more memories than just... I picked off Aaron Rodgers one time, but that's that's a hell of a story to tell. I think he's a, I think he's a high school guy. Like I, I don't even think he's a NFL guy. So his name's Darius Maxwell. Let's take a look here. Correct, he is. He's on varsity football right now in Golden Valley, Colorado. Uh, he has 99 followers on his huddle account from Huntington Beach. Um, I do not know if he has a recruiting profile. We need to see if he does. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to see who he's getting recruited by. Where is the Darius M- Maxwell market? Bunch of tweets. He's laughing, retweeting a bunch of shit. Um, people calling him the goat. That's my dog. He really picked off the goat. Too clean with it. Uh, let's see. Someone said, I'm going D2. Oh, that's a retweet. Sorry. Mackenzie Milton with a laughing emoji. Shout out to Mackenzie Milton. Oh, man. Trying to look and see. I should have really done a mini keg on this. I should have done a breakdown. I didn't. Uh, but I don't know where the guy's going to school. Um, so let's let we, we'll worry about that another day. Um, but good for Darius Mitchell. He has his moment in the sun. It's something he can always tell people at bars. It's, it's like his J.J. Watt story, but a lot fucking cooler than mine. Moving on to the next topic. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are playing at 530 on Easter Sunday. For those wondering, you're like, Charlie, are we going to the Brat House? Not the Brat. Shout out to Eau Claire. Uh, no, we are not going to the Brat House on Easter Sunday. I'm not that much of a degenerate to go to the Brat House on Easter Sunday. It's Lord's Day. Um, I'll be celebrating. I'll have a belly full of ribs. I'll be with my parents for a little bit. I'll probably be home for the game, which is cool. And we'll react right after. Uh, podcast immediately after to give you a Bulls-Bucks reaction. We'll see if they can avoid their game one malaise, as the Bucks usually do. Uh, but yeah, no broad house. Um, we're waiting for the official schedule. Um, and then it's on. And we will be at the broad house as much as we can. I don't know if Mitch will always be there. I don't know if other guests, other friends of the program will be there. But I will try to be there on a regular basis. Um, definitely Thursday through 
Thursday through Sunday, I would say, is a good bet. I would say most Sundays I should be able to make it. Now, obviously, I got a few things impacting the playoff run, um, which is a Chuck's Corner topic in, in itself because last year it was COVID. We weren't doing a ton, like going out here and there. And now it's like, oh, I have I have like plans. Like I have things that I might miss stuff. And yeah, we're like I said, we're gonna cross that bridge when we get there. We're we're that's a good Chuck Scorner topic. I'm gonna bank that in, but it's not great. So I will try to be at the Broad House the best I can. I will say it'll be different this year because it's in April and it's in May. And those, if you're not familiar in the state of Wisconsin, the weather is not ideal. In those months Sometimes it's great Sometimes it isn't So as much as I can be outside I will be But I'm not going to sacrifice my body I'm not going to be Out of the freezing fucking cold Watching the Bucks With a bunch of people Who are just smoking darts I will say that we'll go upstairs We'll have a spot upstairs We'll do the Miller Lite Tall Boys We'll do the whole fucking thing Don't you fear We will basically do the same thing But upstairs We'll replicate that shit Corner the bar We have that spot We'll do our best. And if the upstairs is bad luck, guess what? We'll go downstairs. We'll keep doing it. But I'm not going to leave the broad house. I, until we we lose in a playoff, until we lose in a playoffs, I'm not leaving the broad house. And if we win another championship, then I have to start considering going to the broad house for every playoff run. And not just the Bucks. And Spurs, Packers might have to just start making it a regular thing and just live with the consequences. I also am thir- going to be 34 in August, and I don't know if I can put my body through that. But that's okay. And then I don't know what happens if I, when I move to the summers because I definitely that's on the table. Then what? where do we go from there? A lot of questions to be asked about the Brat House's future and my future. I know you all care so much. All right. Last thoughts. Uh, this isn't really a Wisconsin topic, but Glue Girl. So I'm sure you all saw the video of the woman gluing herself to the Target Center floor. She was an animal rights activist um, saying that Glenn Taylor, former T-Wolf's owner, uh, roasts live animals. Now, it's ironic that she used glue because that's usually made with horses and other animals. So it's ironic that she decided to go with glue. Um, I'm sure it's probably cruelty-free glue or some bullshit or animal-free glue. I would love to know the 411 there. Uh, But yeah, she tried to glue herself to the floor. One of the craziest protests I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I I personally was relieved it was my sister. Um, She lives up there. Not to say my sister would do something like that, but whenever something crazy happens in Minneapolis and and your sister's not involved who lives there, um, that's, that's a win. That's a big plus. Um, number one, number two for this girl, I guess she was from California. Uh, makes a lot of sense, right? Um, good Minnesota people aren't doing that, right? So you can't, you can claim this person as not your own. That is great if you're a Minnesota resident. Big fucking win on that. Huge win to not claim this person as your own. Number three, if I was this girl, I'd be capitalizing the fuck out of this. I would start OnlyFans like tomorrow. Like that's exactly what I would do. 100% do an OnlyFans. Like, why not? I don't know you know, what you'll show, what you won't, but make that fucking money. Do you know how much money she'd probably make at least in a couple days? She could cash out, save as many fucking chickens as she wants. That's what I would do if I was her. Now, I don't know if she has the body for OnlyFans, but I think there are a lot of people who are OnlyFans who don't have great bodies. So it's whatever. You know, I could be an OnlyFans if I wanted to. I would. I wouldn't. Um, in case you're wondering, no, no, for me, but for her, maybe I, I just capitalize on that fucking opportunity, man. How how would you do that? That's how I would do it. 
Or you get like a PETA sponsorship or something and you do like an influencer thing with PETA. I don't know, man. Just try to capitalize. When you get a viral moment, you can't like just go into the clouds. You have to like buy in. I think there's two kinds of people when you go viral. Either you buy into it and you just go all the way in or you fade into the clouds and never want to be heard from again. And then it's a cool party story like five years from now. Like she's out sipping her fucking kombucha in like middle of California two or three years from now. And like, hey, you know what? Here's this story. I actually glued myself to the Minnesota home court. I'm banned for life from Timberwolves games because I was protesting a chicken thing. And people would go crazy. I mean, the, the type of, like, people she hangs out with, the granola of motherfuckers that she's around would absolutely dig this shit. So, shout out to Glue Girl. Internet will never quit. Uh, I saw that for, uh, I think it was uh, Dave Portnoy said, even if we go into a recession, the internet remains undefeated. It's absolutely true. It's why I'll keep doing this. It's why I keep having great content. Uh, by the way... Clippers, I thought, was a win at a plus three, and then it all fell apart. And now we have a Memphis-Minnesota series that is going to be absolutely electric. It is going to be an all-time shit-talking series. Minnesota acted like they won the national championship uh, after winning the playing game, so I will be betting heavily on on Memphis in game number one uh, this weekend. All right, that does it. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Mitch, Shannon on tapping the keg. And then we will be back for a daily tap on Friday talking Bulls, Bucks, whatever is left on the bone uh, from the boys. All right, take care. Have a good one. Bye.